0: Good morning, everyone. We're glad that you are here today. It is good to gather in the name of Christ to worship our Lord and our Savior. And we welcome everyone this morning. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here with us, and we're, we hope that you'll be feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email address on there and we'll get you on the list for that. It's a good way to keep up with the activities of Community Baptist Church. Uh, speaking of activities, we have some that are coming up uh, just on Friday and Saturday. We have our Highway 60 yard sale that will be, uh, be taking place. And uh, Christine, I think you want to make a plug for that. So come plug away.
1: Uh, we're still accepting items. So if you have items that you want to donate, we've got a room in the back Back here, where you can bring those anytime this week. If you need items picked up, let me know and we'll try to get a truck to come and pick those up for you. Uh, we need volunteers Thursday. Uh, we're going to meet here at the church around 6 that evening. So, approximately 6 to 9, we'll get the rest of the items priced and then we've got to get everything set up here in the gym. And I also need one or two volunteers that evening to slice onions. And do up packets of onions and pickles. We will have lunch on Friday and on Saturday. We'll be uh, grilling out pork chops. We'll have hamburgers and hot dogs. So come and and get your lunch here if you can. We'll also have breakfast available. We're going to have homemade biscuits, ham and biscuits. Uh, for sale for breakfast both mornings, so come and get your breakfast too. Uh, We also need volunteers Friday and Saturday from like 7.30 in the morning to about 2.30 each day to work the rummage sale and also work the barbecue. So if you can help in any way, just let me know after church and we'll get you signed up. All the money from this uh, fundraiser goes for our missions and ministry team and basically, we use the funds to help uh, pay for our meals at Salvation Army and for any of our mission trips, uh, for any of our special projects in the community that are ministry, mission-oriented. Uh, so we appreciate your support. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And you have been very supportive. I'll tell you what, if you want to go back there and look in that room, uh and you are welcome to bring more stuff but you may not be able to get it in the room. The room's pretty pretty full but that's a great thing. Upstairs. There's there's another room upstairs or you could just bring it and leave it back there somewhere. <laughs> Over in that corner. Over over in that corner will be fine, uh, uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's great, it's a, it's a great uh, ministry, it's a great um, way to raise funds so that we can minister in our community, so I commend you for that. Uh, also coming up in a couple of weeks, on October the 15th, we'll be having our blood drive, and Jika's out of town, but uh, she will be glad to take appointments for that when she gets back in town. And we are in the midst of our upward season. We had our second game yesterday, and uh, things are going well there. We we still could use some volunteers just to be here and to to uh, to greet people and to be friendly uh, to the people who are visiting our our building on each Saturday. And we could use some scholarships as well. And one other thing, um, since it is upward season, uh, there's a lot of turnover in this room so if you wouldn't mind uh, those of you who are able-bodied to hang around after church and help us stack some chairs we would appreciate that. Just want to say welcome
2: to Summer Bennett today. She's filling in for Jika. We're glad to have her with us. Good to see you. Also I want to uh, give a shout out to John Haynes. He's doing our
0: special today, and this is a song that he has written uh-huh. himself, and we're uh, looking forward to that, John. Thank yes. you. Yes, we are. Welcome, welcome back, Summer. Glad you're here. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Amen.
3: Well, good morning. Um, someone asked me uh, what kind of voodoo uh, hocus pocus stuff was going on upstairs in these uh, Dawnings meetings, and I told them, I said, "Well, you'll have to come to find out. You know, we're going to have additional ones after we finish, but uh, I would encourage you to be a part of it." When I was asked to be in the Dawnings group, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, but I enjoyed the fact that it was very open-ended process and we didn't have a lot of boundaries that we were led into. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because it allows every person in there to be directed by the Lord in um, different ways and to the different needs that they see around them. I think back to the original days uh, when our church started here, and how our focus was on um, traditional beliefs like uh, priesthood of the believer and church autonomy and things like that. And we've always been seen, seen ourselves as an alternative kind of church. Uh, a church for people that were kind of disillusioned with the direction of maybe other churches in this area. Um, many other churches around at the time and still are, are very restricted by nature. But. Uh, but we've always felt that we're, we've been very inclusive and we encourage members to follow their free will. And we still do. Um, the Dawnings process has helped me uh, recommit myself to being the kind of alternative for um, un- unchurched people. And that's, that's who I, I try to focus on, too. The Dawnings group encourages us to be open to change in how we do things in church. And we must always change as we move forward as a church, just like we do as individuals. Uh, one thing that I've learned in the Dawnings process is, is how to listen. That's a really important part of Dawnings. We always take time before we do anything in the group, um, like reading a scripture or, or pray. We're just silent for a few minutes. Uh we're just still and we, be quiet. we quiet our hearts in order to allow God to speak to us. And that's very effective. You need to try that sometime. Um, it can change your spiritual life. You know, I practice that. I've started practicing that at home, like when I read my scripture and I pray. And it makes me feel closer to God and lets me really understand what God is trying to tell me. The Dawnings process parallels my personal life. Um, I ask the Lord to reveal to me what I need to do with my life since I have, so many, have had so many changes over the last few years. And uh, I think Dawnings does the same thing. We're at, as a group, we're asking God to reveal to us what we need to do as a church in the midst of the constant change that we see. Have you ever had a special moment where you knew or you felt that God was just near to you? It can come at different times in many different ways. Maybe at the the birth of a child at that time. Maybe during the words of uh, a song, some music, or a, just a special song. Or through family tragedy or a diagnosis that you may encounter. Many times these moments come for instance through brother Tim's sermons I, many times that's happened to me or on a, a, a daily scripture reading that i may have you may have read a scripture a thousand different times before but one time it may grab your heart and reveal to you a truth in a special way that you didn't realize before think of the special moments in your life, between you and, and those that you love that you'll never forget. It's hard to define those and describe them, but you know it when you feel it, when it happens. These moments come from the Lord, and that's when we're closest to God. It doesn't always have to, have to happen at church, as you know. But I think that our church is experiencing one of those moments as a church. The Lord is revealing to us the kind of love that Jesus spoke about and demonstrated in his life. And that's what our church should be all about. If we would only be still and listen and take that into our souls, I think we will experience really what grace and and true mercy is all about. And that's what Dawnings is about i encourage each one of you to embrace it and engage that in the blessings the lord has in store for our church and i thank you for letting me be a member of it thank you
2: that
4: was very well said tim and let's go ahead and practice that just a second It was very hard for us to practice the moment of silence, but I'm going to ask before I start the responsive reading that you just close your eyes and let your heart rate go down and just be still for a second and listen to my words. After I finish, then you'll respond with the people. Young and old, Sons and daughters of God, all you who are creations of God's imagination and love, join in praise and thanksgiving as we worship the one who brings us together.
2: We come to this place bringing our various stories, our immediate gifts, and our existing calls to service.
4: We come together in partnership and mission. Knowing that we are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to serve others, to seek justice, to offer the hope of the resurrected Christ.
2: We are called to be the body of Christ, a community of believers, a household of faith, a communion of saints, the people of God's covenant.
4: We are called to the one hope. Of our high calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God.
2: As members of the body of Christ, we come in it together in this hour to build on our sure foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord and to seek the vision of Christ hope for the world. Amen. Amen. let
5: Today's scripture reading is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And being found in human forward, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. So that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father the word of the Lord.
2: God. Praise God.
4: What, Neva? You can go throw away your mint. You go right ahead. Because we can't listen to Children's Moment with a mint in our mouth.
5: Good
6: morning. I'm Sue, and this is my first time for doing Children's Moment, so you all need to help me, okay? But I have asked for some help from some big kids, so would my big kids line up here, please? They look like big kids, don't they? Okay. Oh, don't run off, Miss Mary. You're one of my big kids too. Okay. Do you know a lot of times uh, Jesus tells us, or His words come to us in stories, and today a lot of times when we tell stories. We use examples that has to do with smells, okay? And I brought a bag of goodies here, and... Can you hear me now? There you go. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, in my little bag, the first little creature that I have doesn't smell very good. It's a skunk. Okay? And I'm gonna give this to Mr. Mark.
2: Okay. Now, Now if we say Mark is
6: a real stinker, do you think that's a good thing to say? That means he's he kinda does things that are smelly, right? Maybe he goes to the playground and he runs in front of you and doesn't let you have your turn. Or maybe he might even push you. And we call him just a real stinker. Okay? Have you ever been a real stinker? No? Okay. <laughs> no. Now the next, let's say Amy. Let's see. She is smells like a rose. Oh. What's a rose smell like? Good. Pretty. (laughs) Well, that means that a lot of times we think of a rose as innocent and pure and smells real nice. So everything she does is great. Okay? So she smells like a rose. Now, let me see what else is in my bag here. Let's see. Now, sometimes if somebody doesn't tell the truth... Uh We say they may smell like a fish. (laughs) Mary. (laughs) She's real stinky. You know, what she did wasn't very nice. She didn't tell the truth. Okay. I'm sorry I didn't have a bigger fish. That's the only one I could find. But that's real smelly, too. Okay. And then, let's see here. We have... Okay, we're going to say that John, is fresh as a daisy... (laughs) Okay? Fresh as a daisy, that means that, you know, he's just energetic and a breath of fresh air, and it's just really refreshing to be around him. Now, I have one more. And, Miss Mary, what do you think I'm going to give her? She's been a real rat. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) So if I say she's a real rat... We usually think think of rats as being dirty and not clean. So they wouldn't be very, they wouldn't smell very good either. Okay? Now, of all of these things, which do you think God would want us to be like? Guess, ma'am. The rose? (laughs) And the daisy? Would he want us to be like Mark the stinker? Or Mary the stinky fish? or Mary the rat, okay? So what I want you all to think about today, I've got got something else in here. What do you think it is for each of you all? Would it be smelly or would it be good? Good. (laughs) Well, you know what? I thought you all would all be good. So I brought each of you a rose. So as you all go to class, and there's one to match your dress. As you all go to class... You think about the rose. And this week, that's something for you all to keep. Okay? And when you do something, you think about what God would want you to be like. Would you want to be like the rat or would you want to, God want us to be like the, the pretty flower, the rose or the daisy? Okay? So you all remember those stories. Don't be the rat or the skunk or the fish. Okay? Okay. Thank you Thank ma'am. you all very much. You're going to get back your wrap.
2: I'll give back my wrap. What
4: y'all <laughs> Five now, it's a children's moment.
5: Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's stand and sing our operatory hymn. Mm-hmm.
2: Father, we thank you for the day that you've
3: given us. We thank you for the love that you've conveyed. Father, empower us to serve and to be able to love one another. We ask that you bless this offering now for the further of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Yes, I thought I could make it, Lord, without you. But my world crumbled down.
1: Be happy, Lord, without you.
2: But the road I chose.
1: You're the truth, the
2: light has set me free.
0: you guys. John wrote that song and uh, makes it even more special, doesn't it? Um, in our children's moment uh, a little while ago, we uh, heard a lot about smelly things. Uh, we we had a skunk and, <coughs> and and a fish and a rat. And then we also had the rose and the daisy. But I want to... I want to ask you something really weird this morning, just to start things off. I mean, why not just, let's start it off weird. Have you ever wanted to smell like Jesus? (laughs) Now, to be honest, I, I, I doubt that any of us have ever given that a whole lot of thought. But there's a perfume maker that has promised just that. The makers of this perfume is called Virtue. They claim that if you wear their perfume, you will smell like Jesus and his followers. I'm not kidding, folks. This is real. Using the Bible as a guide as to what kinds of plants uh, were used as perfumes in the Holy Land during the time when Jesus walked the earth, scientists claim that virtue is a close approximation of what Christ and his disciples might have smelled like. It's a sweet blend consisting mostly of apricot and a dash of frankincense and myrrh, which, of course, are some of the gifts that uh, were given to the baby Jesus by the wise men. So there you have it. You, too, can smell like Jesus. Now, obviously, that's pretty absurd. But it does lead to a more profound thought by writer Max Lucado At the beginning of his book, titled Just Like Jesus, Lucado makes this statement. He said, God loves you just the way you are. But God refuses to leave you that way. God wants you to be like Jesus. Now, there's a statement that you can take home with you today, folks. Let me say it again. God loves you. Just the way you are. But God refuses to leave you that way. God wants you to be like Jesus. Now sometimes it seems that we modern human beings only hear the first part of that statement. God loves you just the way you are. And that suits us just fine. We want God to accept us just the way we are and then to leave us alone. (laughs) I mean, after all, it's uncomfortable to have to change, isn't it? So as long as God loves us just the way we are, then we've got it made, right? But I suspect that Max Lucado is closer to the truth here because this is the whole gospel. God loves you just the way you are. Yes, God does love you just the way you are. But God refuses to leave you that way because God wants you to be like Jesus. And this is basically what Paul's message to the church at Philippi was. Listen to these beautiful and profound words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love and being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi to live in harmony and humility and to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Be like Jesus, he is saying to them. Humble yourselves as Jesus humbled himself. Be a servant as Jesus was a servant. Have the same love that Jesus had. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, notice that Paul's words are directed to a church. And really, if you think about it, this is what characterizes a healthy church. We humble ourselves and we serve one another. That wonderful preacher and teacher Fred Craddock tells about visiting a church one time where he was supposed to hold services on a Friday night and a Saturday night and, and then again on Sunday morning. But when he pulled up into the parking lot on Friday afternoon, they were just finishing with a funeral and people were moving to their cars. The hearse was still there. But the minister saw him and motioned for him to, to come over. And Craddock didn't want to intrude on on this this, uh, uh, on the funeral there. He, w- he was just waiting for the funeral to be over. But he went over to the, to the pastor, and he was standing next to the widow. And the pastor introduced Craddock, her to, the, to uh, Fred Craddock. And Craddock felt a little uneasy here, a little awkward. It's not exactly the kind of situation where you want to meet someone. And so he said to her, this is no time for you to be meeting strangers. I, I'm so sorry, and I'm really sorry for your loss. Apparently, the husband had been killed in an automobile accident and left her with four children. He said, I know this is a very difficult time for you. So she said, yes, it is. And she said, so I probably won't be here for the services tonight. But I'll be here tomorrow and I'll be here on Sunday morning. Well, like any sensible and caring person, Craddock said, oh, you you don't need to. And she said, yes, I do. He said, what I meant was, I know it's a hard time for you. And she said, I know it's hard. It is hard. It's already hard. But you see, this is my church. And they're going to see that my children and I are okay. Folks, that's the way the church is supposed to be. And I'm proud that that is exactly the kind of church that Community Baptist Church is. I like something that uh, Ronald Nicholson once said. He asked, what's the quickest way to identify a great city? And he said, almost everyone knows that Paris is the home of the Eiffel Tower. And Rome has its Colosseum. London has Big Ben and the Tower Bridge. Moscow has the Kremlin. Around the world, many cities have landmarks by which they are recognized. Even small towns and villages often have unique features that give them A special identity. Other cities are famous for what happens there. Los Angeles makes movies. Cannes has its film festival. New Orleans has Mardi Gras. And even even if it's only apple butter making days or the midwinter ice fishing festival, communities identify themselves in distinctive ways. And then he asked this question. So what is it that identifies the Christian community, the church? What is the landmark that makes us recognizable to the rest of the world? Well, it's our loyalty to Jesus Christ, of course, but that's not all. Because, you see, Jesus himself said, listen to this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you see, the identifying mark of the church, the Christian community, is love. What a beautiful statement that is about what the church is meant to be. Have this same love as Jesus Christ, says Paul. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So a healthy church is a church where people look out for one another. Simon and Garfunkel had a song back in the 70s. I'm sure that most of you have heard it. It's a classic. It's called A Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Some of you remember the lyrics of that song. We might all just sing. No. (laughs) But you you remember how it went. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. When times get rough and friends just can't be found like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. My friends, that's how we should be in the church. There's an interesting phrase that has entered our vernacular in recent years, and most of you have probably heard it, and most of you have probably used it. It's the phrase, I've got your back. You've heard that before. I've got your back. If I say to someone in a difficult situation, I've got your back, it means that I'm there for you. I'm going to look out for you. I'll be there to help, help you out if you need me. And there's one literal application of that that occurs all the time in in football. According to Michael Lewis's book, uh, The Blind Side, which later became a great film, he said the second most important player on the football field after the quarterback is the left tackle. And he explains the importance of these important but often anonymous linemen as he tells the story of Michael Orr who became a powerhouse left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. According to Lewis, since most quarterbacks are right-handed, the left tackle's main role is to prevent his quarterback from being hit from his blind side. And it takes a special person to do this in the NFL. Left tackles must, must weigh more than 300 pounds and have enormous strength, and they also must be quick on their feet. Today, teams are willing to pay huge amounts of money for a player like that. Or who, who grew up in abject poverty. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> or, I think I'm, I'm a landing zone for something here. <laughs> uh, or who, who grew up in abject poverty uh, not long ago, signed a contract that was worth more than $13 million. Now, folks, I wish I could tell you that it always pays that well to have someone's back. But it doesn't. But, folks, let me tell you something. It is one way to lay up treasure in heaven. The testimony of Scripture is that God always has our back. And we are to have one another's back. Or to put it in the metaphorical language of Simon and Garfunkel, God is our bridge over troubled waters. That's what John was singing about just a moment ago. And we are to seek to be bridges for one another. That's the meaning of Christian community. That's what it means. And that's how God judges our churches. We are to be there for one another. We are to to look out for one another. We are to help one another when we are in trouble. Another good analogy for the church is, is a flock of geese. And you may have heard this before. You see, as each goose flaps its wings, it, it creates a, an uplift for the birds behind it. And by flying in that, that V formation, the flock adds 71% extra flying range just by fly, flying in that formation. And in the same way, church people who share a sense of community can help each other to get where, we're, where they're going Because we're holding each other up. I'm also told that when a goose falls out of the formation, it suddenly feels the resistance of flying all alone. And and so it quickly moves back into line to take advantage of the lifting power of the birds ahead of it. And so if we are as wise as these geese are, we will stay in formation with those who are headed in the same direction we want to go. We're willing to accept the help that they have to offer to us, and we are willing to give our help to them. And when the lead goose gets tired, it drops to the back of the flock, and another goose flies to the point. And that's how the leadership of a church ought to work. We take turns doing the hard tasks. We respect and protect each other's skills and capabilities and talents and resources. And the the geese flying in formation honk to encourage those up front to keep their speed up. And I know we do a lot of honking in the church. But we just need to make sure that our honking is positive and encouraging. Because folks, churches where there is encouragement and a positive spirit, in churches like that, great things happen. So Paul tells us that a church family needs to be like that. We need to study the life of Jesus. Have this same love that Jesus had. Be one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others as yourselves, above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. You know, we often say that the church is the body of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we cover ourselves with a special kind of perfume so that we can smell like Jesus. But it does mean that we ought to live like Jesus and serve like Jesus. And that means that the church ought to be willing to lay down its life in order to fulfill its mission. I want you to think about that for a few moments. Did you know it's not our job to protect the church? That's right. You know, so many churches are fixated on making sure that the church survives. And I have to confess that that I'm guilty of this myself. But folks, listen to this. Our task is not survival. It's service. So many churches have been unwilling to take controversial stands because they might lose members. So many churches have been unwilling to serve the least and the lowest because they might not mix well with their church family. They might dirty the carpet or get stains on, on the furniture, but some churches get up to a crossroads in their church's life when a bold mood, a bold move of faith is called for, but they shrink back. Out of fear, they think that they have to protect the church. At all costs. But let me ask you something. What if Jesus had that attitude about his own body? That's not what he did, is it? Listen to the rest of Paul's words. In your relationships with one another, have this same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by become by by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven, And on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you see, to live like Jesus is to love and to serve one another. It is to lay down our life for the world. In other words, our mission is twofold. Love one another and love the world for whom Christ died. Years ago, Chuck Swindle told about a very disturbing case that came through the courts in Massachusetts back in the 1920s. It concerned a man who had been walking along the pier and suddenly tripped over a rope and fell into the deep, cold waters of the bay. He came up sputtering and screaming for help, and then he sank beneath, beneath the surface. He was unable to swim. His friends heard his cries in the distance, but they were too far away to to rescue him. But within only a few yards, there was a young man lounging on a deck chair, sunbathing. And not only could he hear the man's cries for help, but he himself was a, 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 a very strong swimmer, an excellent swimmer. And the tragedy is he did nothing, not a thing. He only turned his head to watch indifferently as this man sank and drowned. Well, as you can imagine, the family of the victim was devastated. And they were so upset by this display of extreme indifference that they sued the man. And the result? They lost the case. With great reluctance, the court ruled that the man on the dock had no legal responsibility to try to save the drowning man's life. So what does that mean for us? Well, listen to this. There's a world of need outside the doors of this church. There's a world of need right out there. And there are people out there who are drowning in the difficulties of life. And you know something? Nobody's going to sue us if we look away and ignore their need. Only God will know. But I want you to think about what that means. God will know. Paul was writing to the church when he said that we are to have this same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so our job is not to protect the church. But as the church, we are to love and to serve one another. And we are, willing to, we are to be willing to lay down our lives for those who are outside the doors of this church. There it is, folks, in a nutshell. Love for one another. Love for the world. That's what it means to live like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn number 502. Open my eyes that I may see. And I hope that that's a prayer of all of our lives, that we may see like Jesus, that we may look at the world differently, not through our own eyes, but through the eyes of Christ. And by doing so, we see the needs and we are willing to meet those needs to serve like Jesus served. Let us sing together. God, we have come together by your love, mercy, and grace. And we confess that we can be cast down so easily as we wander around in our spiritual wilderness. But you have come to us today. And you have bolstered our courage and our love by your presence. And by the presence of those whom you love. Help us, O God, to be faithful to Christ in our day-by-day relationships. And by the decisions of life that we make, let us go from here as God's own family, children of the living God, and may we live in the likeness of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of His Spirit. Amen. Amen.